Hi, hi, hello, and hey, hey, welcome to this week's episode of The Critic Cast. The name is Larry, and it's such a pleasure being with you. Yes, exciting month it has been this uh, August, full of drama, full of all sorts of things that happened. I'm going to share some of that um, stuff, at least from the last 10 days or so, um, in the first section. In the second section, uh, we're going to be talking about working from home. How has that experience been uh, for you? I've got a couple of your comments. And in the third segment, dating a narcissist, how you can tell that you're dating a narcissist and what you need to do about it. But first, let's talk about uh, the news that has, uh, the stuff that's made the news. Congratulations to Ralph Mopita. Zimbabwean guy, went to school in Zimbabwe, uh, but he spent a lot of his time in South Africa. He has been named the MTN Group Chief Executive as well as uh, the um, the president of the company. High achiever he is because uh, he was he was started working there in 2017. And by 2019, he, he started working there in 2017 of April as the chief finance officer. And by 2019, he had won four awards, including CFO of the year. So he's a definitely high achiever. And the, the group is poising itself for, you know, expansion into markets and so forth. And so apparently he's the person who's best for that sort of thing. He worked um, before as uh, the chief executive for Old Mutual to Emerging Markets. So a lot of people say, okay, maybe he's Zimbabwe. I mean, MTN is looking at investing. It's been talked about for a while in the state products such as Telesel and a net one with more, a lot of focus people talking about net one, but who knows what's there? Just speculation over here. DSTV announced a bunch of new products. Yes, they announced, a, 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 first of all, let me go through some of them. They announced an ad movies option. Now, this option allows you to um, add, if you on one of the lower packages and there are certain products that have always been um, available to premium subscribers only for 99 rands you can add extra movie channels on top so there's the uh, uh, mlet movies one mlet movies two um one, one of them is action and the other one's like family oriented or something like that and then there's uh flick nets and then there's also the you know the pop-up channels that come from uh, from mnet from time to time that have always been available to premium premium subscribers those are coming through uh also mentioned is they've got this uh, new decoder called dv explorer ultra which allows you to also stream services that are not dstv oriented and allows you to watch things in 4k and then there's the dstv streamer is a different set-top box, which doesn't work with a satellite, which doesn't need to work with a satellite, as I say. And so it's a, it's, it's essentially DSTV going full on into streaming. It comes with a with a with a um, what you call that button, a YouTube button as well. So you'll be able to you know use YouTube on the streamer decoder. There's rumors that platforms such as Netflix and Amazon Prime will be able to be accessed through the box, but they were silent about that aspect when they announced the launch. Five new channels are coming to DSTV as well. Uh, if you want to check them out, just go to 3mob.com. They're from Korean movies. There's the Turkish, the Turkish drama and, you know, and costume films. Are particularly exciting because Turkish film has just started taking over the world at the moment. Take Turkish cinema and so forth is like a new gold, golden, you know, gem that people just picked up and people are really excited about it. So that's coming to to 
to DSTV soon. There's a the kids channel. There's a Korean drama channel, and I think the other one is a another acting channel, and one more being a telenovela. You know, Latin America. The producers of Parasite uh, come from one of the telenovela channels, so that should be exciting for people who like that sort of thing. You know, the new Zimbabwe changed its curfew times. Yeah, we just got an extra two hours to faff about. So it's from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. But the morning one still remains the same, 6 a.m. I kind of feel like the morning one should be shifted a little bit because um, most people at 4 a.m. probably need to go and get water to take a bath because the city council isn't assisting isn't providing water to everybody. So, so, but if you're outside at 4 a.m., then, you know, you're going to get arrested because it's outside curfew hours. And if you leave at 6 a.m., that means you're only taking a bath at a certain time and you're only going to work after a certain time. And so that means you're getting into work uh, later. The, the working hours have extended to 4.30 p.m. A lot of people are like, what's the point of the curfews? Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. I don't know what the point of the curfews is because I'm not sure why we have curfews. I know why other countries, I don't, I'm not even sure why South Africa has got curfews. And if they work, um, I don't know what they're supposed to do. I tried to do the research. Some people say it's because there's more reckless behavior during later hours, but people are just changing their reckless behavior from night till day now, today now. It's just like during the lockdown period, people just started drinking during the day. And it's become sort of a norm. People now drink and nobody looks at themselves funny. They decide they're craving a drink at 10 a.m. in the morning because the lockdown period, uh, they just started drinking that early. So I don't think a curfew necessarily changes people's behavior. Another change is Zimbabwe changes quarantine rules for immigrants coming into the country. Uh, instead of uh, self, instead of going into isolation centers, if they come in and test negative for COVID-19 uh, after a PCR test on landing, then they can go and isolate or quarantine in with where they're staying, really. And then they'll be tracked by the local response team. Um, yeah, so they don't have to go specifically go to an isolation center. Some news from Nigeria. Nigeria is, is changing its international uh, flights. Uh, well, it's opening up to international flights on uh, the 29th of August. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're opening it up to everybody. I know that um, I think Rwanda opened up to everybody. Uh, but Kenya is one that's literally opened up to one of the few countries it opened up to was Zimbabwe. And one of my friends has actually gone to Kenya. I feel I should just do that. But anyway, they've opened up, uh, they're opening up international flights uh, as the world begins to open up again a little bit. Uh, speaking also of COVID-19, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the White House uh, uh, health advisor, said temperature checks, you know, the ones that you get at entrances, they're actually useless for tra tracking uh, for as, you know, screening for COVID-19, apparently. The reason being that they're so inconsistent. He said he... He went to, to get a temperature check and the first one read something like 39 degrees or something like that. Went and sat in the car for a bit, came back and it registered 36. And then he went into another room and it registered 34. And I can tell you, I've had some of those. I tell you that I've had some of those experiences. 
uh, where the temperature readings are all over the place. Sometimes it's like my temperature is like 34.2. I'm like, am I not supposed to be in a, on a ventilator somewhere, sick, and, you know, gasping for air or whatever it is. So he, he says they've dropped that as recommendations for, for screening, you know, checking temperatures with a contactless temperature system because it just doesn't tell you anything. So it's pointless. Kind of like says, what, what have we been doing? <laughs> oh, gosh. And finally, smartphones can tell if you're drunk. Uh, they took uh, about a, what is it, a thousand people? And they test no, 100 people that tested it. It was a small test, mind you. And what they did is that they had them drink a vodka cocktail quickly and they strapped the smartphone to their back, to the back of them, and had them walk every hour and have a drink again. And to, to 90% accuracy, they were able to tell if the person was drunk because of the way they walked. So it was also dis- determined by things such as pace, and being able to, you know, whether you were going to walk straight or not. So, yeah, pretty exciting times. And what else is your cell phone knowing about you? And if you think of this function, there's a lot of possibilities. <laughs> it could start telling you whether, whether you're texting funny and could probably give you a warning if you're drunk texting your ex. We will not be held responsible for any hearing impairments or damage caused to you from excessive exposure to this sound. Information is free. There is hope. Mummy says don't play with fire. Ah. Oh, oh, my God. That's hot. But Mummy says it's okay to play everything. Cool. If you don't like them... I'm sure your sister will. Hey, babe, you want to go out? There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. So working from home, for me, it's something that I've been doing for years. So everybody's catching up on this. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, I've always watched it from movies that, you know, people working. Oh, I'm going to my study and stuff like that. I haven't got quite a study, but (laughs) it gets things done. (laughs) So anyway, working from home. And I'm going to give you statistics that came from the United Kingdom. Uh, A census-wide the item that came out from Eskenzi PR says a thousand respondents, 26% said they would like life to return to how it was before lockdowns. 60% say absolutely not. 18% say they never want to return to work. 49% said they won't be going, they don't think they'll be going back to work uh, before end of the year or at least until the, uh, you know, the, towards the end of the first quarter of 2021. Um, 40% say they like working from home. 5% say they never want to work uh, from home. And 22% say they're more productive when they work from home. 74% say they're better off financially because of lockdowns. And 60% say they're worried that if they go back to work, social distancing won't be possible, or at least they're worried about how it will take place. So to a large extent, people say, okay, this has changed the workplace forever. But one of the key things that's been coming up is what they call Zoom fatigue 
where people are just getting tired of because you've got your accessibility is all is always there and you find yourself sometimes working into the night and working in periods that you don't have you don't you couldn't it was particularly taxing when the early days of lockdown and didn't have anywhere else to go um because people were really like i have nowhere else to go you just started finding people meandering like zombies into shopping centers so that they could take time off from work uh, and that's just the thing i think telling you giving you tips of how i did it working for bomb is like taking regular breaks and having meetings away from home is important um and also this knowing the time you shouldn't be working so taking time out to just say look i'm just going to watch tv for like 2 hours and and nothing like serious not even work related so you could watch trash tv you could watch you know some weird pro reality tv program like big brother africa is going on right now you could just decide to catch up on that and that's sort of like the accounts for water cooler moments and i think but but the the dis- that's where the disadvantage the raw disadvantage of that comes in because uh what they found is that the opportunities for growth within organizations were limited are becoming limited if somebody's working remotely because when you get hired to as a remote worker say you get hired as an accountant that's all you're going to they all that's all they're going to talk to you about whereas if you work within an office within a in a in a group system when they see certain initiatives and so forth then you know they naturally will think okay look this person has taken on more responsibility and they've gone outside their key result area so therefore we can trust them with more responsibility and the softer skills that are only be able to be seen in person as well so there are skills that uh, otherwise couldn't be seen and there's also training on the job that you see your boss doing certain things and you start mimicking them Mind you, maybe the new HR systems that need to be written, uh, so that there's a better understanding of this. Uh, it's also important to know that around those HR systems in the United States, when working from home was only about six percent of the wo- labor workforce, workforce, and people thought it was something that was going to happen in a dystopian future, before COVID nineteen foisted it upon us. Well, uh, they started dealing with how, how do you deal if somebody gets injured on the job. So does does your home become a workplace environment between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. so that if if you and how much does do, do they take responsibility for so for example if you uh working and your child is about to fall the you know off a chair and while you're going to rescue your child you trip and then you fall and you get injured does the does is that does that count as workplace compensation how does that work and also if say for example again another situation if you're working late at night because you couldn't work during the day how does that get classified how do you take how does off time get classified um who's keeping track about the time that you're not working during the day but because now you're more results oriented you work at night so how do you take time off from work how do you take an afternoon off uh or very interesting questions are going to need a lot of ventilation so that the future of w- remote work is better understood reality is remote work is here to stay although i do feel that a lot of people 
are going to start wanting to go into co-location type of work, workspaces, if not permanently, but at least a certain number of times per week. Um, it, it, it gets to a point where I think it, you, you want to be broken apart from your family, from your home and so forth. And those, as I say, those water cooler moments where you're talking to cheapo over the, over the water cooler and catching up on sport, or whatever the case may be, uh, those, I think, are priceless moments in terms of team building. A lot gets created outside the the former working moments within an office that edify the whole working experience. And then also then, this is, is, I think, a real worry um, in terms of equality issues. While the hiring systems may simply say that women and men will be hired equally because people are going to be uh, judged on their competence rather than on their sex, the other side of it all is that supposing Larry has got a friend called Tamuka and we see each other more often and we work in the same company, I am more likely to recommend Tamuka for promotion because I see him at a pub. Or I understand his family, I know his children, I know his work, home situation and so forth. I know aspects about him that I'm not going to get from his job. And what's going to happen is that creates a boys only club, like what used to happen in Wall Street, where they simply said, if you watch The Wolf of Wall Street, that men just went and went to strip clubs together. And certain deals and, and certain things that affect the workplace would get discussed in that just like people go and you know discuss important business decisions over a game of golf the chances of then other people getting excluded from aspects of the workplace become a reality but like i said those things need ventilation as to how and when to deal with them but i did ask a couple of you what i what you felt like working from home and this is what you had to say i'll see you on the other side with the third part of the criticast Okay, so thanks for choosing this topic. Very interesting question. In my experience, I think that working from home is the best thing that happened to me this year. Turns out I'm very productive when I work from home. So I absolutely love it because of the flexibility. I have more control over what time I do certain tasks. And there's not so much emphasis on how I do things, but really at the end of the day, what's more important are the results. So I find that it saves me a lot of time uh, and and money as well because I don't I then don't have to commute to the office every so often so I think that I've been more productive and more efficient in how I work and I've also learned to work with minimum supervision because there's no one looking over my shoulder to actually watch me work so it's really up to me whether I spend the whole day in bed or I actually spend my day working and sometimes I even find myself putting in some work over the weekend. So I think I've learned a lot in terms of working without supervision and also being more results oriented and focusing on things that really matter. I absolutely love it. I had the opportunity to go back to the office for one day a week in this month and I absolutely don't like it because I find that I'm more productive when I'm at home. Harry, I feel like working from home is okay. Uh, I felt it would be a bit relaxed, but I feel like it's a trap 
because you literally have no break time you're just working throughout the day no lunch you're in one zoom meeting or another and you know you start as early as 7 a.m because you start getting calls and everybody's assuming that you know as long as you're home it means you're very accessible people send you emails at 11 at 11 p.m and they're expecting responses for them so it's okay because you're home you're not moving around the exposure for, for from covid is um limited or it's less but then each the work hours just seem eternal you know you're not you're not breaking at any time even lunch time you're basically just muting your laptop so that no one can hear you chewing <laughs> your lunch or you take your laptop to the kitchen just so that you can cook you know while you're having a meeting but then it's been okay although you know sometimes people just want some air to breathe um stuff like that so it's a 50 50 argument i can say i mean from home hey Working from home. Well, I work in the sky, so there's no intercity travel, there's no over border travel. So for me and my fellow crew, we get to chill at home. So it's eating and sleeping and watching telly and trying to read. It's been fun, but now it's, it's boring. Yeah? I've been enjoying being at home, working from home, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi, this is Clive Chikubu, and you're listening to the Query Cast. Shop, shop. Query Rap. A narcissist is a person who lacks empathy, acts entitled, arrogant, and prioritizes themselves above all else. Now, I've been following a YouTube channel by Dr. Ramani Dovasula, who is a, a uh, licensed clinical psychologist and narcissism expert. And do check her out. She, she says some really important things about dealing with narcissists. Now, narcissists are difficult to track if you're an object of their affection. And I'm going to deal, say, um, share with you in this third section of the Critical Research, or of course the relationship segment, how to deal, how to spot that somebody's a narcissist and what to do about it. So narcissists, first of all, um, can't spot them at the first glance because they're extremely charismatic. And what you feel is what they call a magical connection. I'm going to come back to that thing called a magical connection in just a bit. Because I really need you to understand this. It's such a difficult thing. And and I, I know a lot of people just don't get it. And um, I mean, I pro- I've been in th- those sort of relationships. And they don't feel that way until some point. I'm going to give you the signs. Then you start feeling like, no, this is not it. This is... I. I just certainly just remember they deserve better. Now, what they do a lot of uh, is that they they engage in what is called love bombing. It's a manipulation tactic. Tactic we overwhelm somebody with with uh, affection, acts of service, and gifts in order to get what you want. Now, and according according to uh, Doctor Davisola, I say it's just mentioned things such as vacations. Gifts, elaborate experiences, constant contact, they're always talking to just too much information or just the intense interest is just, overall is just huge. So a narcissist relationship often, often starts as too much, too fast. And this is when followed by a cycle of devaluing, discarding and, and ups and downs, she continues to say. Another thing is that uh, during that period of a lot of affection, there is a lot of 
you feel like there is a magical connection. Like you can't explain it. It's like, wow. It's like, you know, sunshine and butterflies and goat milk all day. It's just always excitement. Now, that that is that's a proper red flag right there. You know, just be wary because they are essentially working to get into your space. Then when you talk, they they hog the conversation. They talk about how great they are. They talk about their own accomplishments and achievements to a grandiose level. And when you speak about yourself, they know follow-up questions. And they, and, they and they don't express interest in trying to learn you that much. They make it up. Or even when you say something about yourself, somehow they find a way to make it about them. <laughs> Which leads us to the fact that they feed off your compliments, Okay. Uh, people are self-confident in general, don't rely on you or anyone to get to feel good about themselves, but they kind of want you to tell them that they are a very good person. But if you don't, they punish you, you everyone from, for, for sharing, a, giving them a, a sense of self-worth. And to a, to a large extent, sorry over there, this just happened, you know it is, recording and <laughs> doing other things at the same time. Multitasking, working from home and things like that, you're getting all sorts of stuff that's happening. Anyway, oh goodness, am I making this worse? You're going to hear that. <laughs> they lack a lot of empathy, okay? Their ability to feel how somebody uh, is feeling. So they don't really take an, a personal interest in you. They just don't do that. And this is something that happens after that honeymoon phase. They, they're outwardly self-centered. So before they, you know, the affection has stopped, the gifts has they started dwindling. Instead, they become, they have drastic swings in their behavior. Dr. Darcilla says, as soon as they have you, it's like they have a kid. It's like a kid with a toy. They become a bit disinterested pretty quickly. And the devaluing cycle happens, then it's officially toxic. Uh, she goes on to say things like they get angry very quickly. Uh, they're inconsistent about certain things. They become shady. Uh, you know, they, 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 how do they manage stressful situations? Uh, they're sometimes sensitive about some offhanded compliment, compliment that you make that they perceive as an insult, uh, you know. And, and sometimes they want to be seen as just too good and just too, you know, like they are here to save the world, they're God's gift to mankind. And another thing that you start feeling at this point is you start feeling controlled. You, and you become sensitive about what you say around them because you think what you say may, may jeopardize the relationship. They might get you to start isolating your friends and tell you when you can go out, what you should eat, what you should wear and things like that. Any small disagreement becomes a full-blown argument. Another red flag about the friendship aspect is that you realize that they don't have many friends that are long-term or any friends that go beyond the cycle of, say, two, three years. Because if their friends can't handle them, then therefore it's a red flag. It means that you um, essentially are dealing with somebody who other people can't chill with. You know, they're, they're just thinking, oh, my God. Uh if you know, but as I say, if they can't have long-term friends, therefore a long-term relationship is 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 difficult. And what is worse, <laughs> this is the one that that is pretty huge now. Uh, 
if there is a discussion a problem that happens they accuse you of unfair treatment they'll, they'll gaslight you okay so you you start walking around them as uh, as if on eggshells. Now talk about gaslighting. Uh, you know they start questioning your perception of truth and reality, or they may tell you that you're misremembering an ugly fight that happened where they called you names, and say they misunderstood clear boundaries you verbalized, or to blame their behavior on outside factors like stress or childhood trauma. And it gets worse. You start internalizing this and you start defending your partner's bad behavior, toxicity, and sometimes even abuse. You know what I mean? That's narcissism, deeming a narcissist right there. You start telling yourself that it will get better or blame your partner's behavior on stress or childhood and say they didn't really mean it. And, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. You feel upside down and confused in the relationship. You often make excuses and rationalizations for the relationship. Say to all of this toxicity and gaslighting may leave you feeling a bit hollow and without a sense of self-worth in the in the relationship. And what what is even worse, even like calling what the relationship is is weird. Like they won't tell you it's a relationship. And, you know, because there, there are important reasons why some people won't want to uh, define relationships. Sometimes they're polyamorous and you've agreed friends and benefits situation or or you're keeping it casual or they just not figure it out. But uh, a, a, you, if your partner is exhibiting some of the symptoms in the list and won't commit, it's likely a red flag. Okay. Yeah, they'd like you to treat them like they're your partner so they can reap the, the intimate, emotional and sexual benefits while well, keeping an eye out for prospects who they deem superior. Uh, and one thing that they never do is they never apologize. You know, if they're late for something, they don't say they're sorry. They don't call when they're supposed to. And when they do call, they don't say they're sorry. They can cancel important things and they, uh, and they just carry on. And, and then when you try to break up with them, they get into a fist of panic. They may love bomb you. They'll say all the right things. They they do. They get out of their way. They they come and they 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 drop off gifts. They they give you this rush of attention, this overwhelming attention that clouds your judgment. And you say, okay, all right, you know, I'm going to give them another chance. You know, it, <laughs> it's their rush. And why they do that is because not necessarily that they need to keep you in the relationship, but their narcissism, their ego is coming into play and saying that I cannot be the person who lost in this relationship. I tell you when to go. You don't go because you feel like you're going. So that's the narcissism again. I, If you're going to leave, you're going to leave on my terms. And, and when you show them that you're really done, they start lashing out. Because their ego, as I said, is severely bruised. So they get, they feel rage and hatred for you. They call you all sorts of names. They might badmouth you to your face or or tell other people and and say that, you know, they've tried to even steal your friends. <laughs> they, you know, they, they'll start immediately dating somebody else to, to make you feel jealous and try to show you that they're with somebody else. So, so now what? Well, there's only one thing, okay? Because none of this 
time are they spending trying to improve their relationship with you? Dr. Dervisola says the best thing to do is to cut your losses. Once you sense the red flags in the early days of the relationship, get out before you take you have too much of an investment in it. So what you've got to remember is to always constantly remind yourself that you deserve better. Okay. You cannot, I cannot stress this, stress this enough. You cannot change a person with a narcissistic personality disorder or make them happy by loving them enough to change yourself uh, or by changing yourself to meet their whims and desires. Let me say that again. You cannot change a person with a narcissistic personality disorder or make them happy by loving them enough or by changing yourself to meet their whims and desires. They will never tune in with you. They're not empathetic to your experiences. And you will always feel empty after an interaction with them. They don't feel fulfilled in a relationship or in any area of their lives because nothing is ever special enough for them. Okay, so nothing you can do can help this relationship. So what you need to do is to, in preparation for a breakup, start strengthening your relationship with empathetic friends. Build a support network of friends and family who can remind you of what is real to you. Remember, they have taken your reality away, your sense of self-worth. They started questioning, um, getting you to question your personality, questioning what's important to you, questioning things that were obvious to you before. Tell them they need to go get therapy. Okay. And after the relationship, go and see a therapist because they have manipulated something in your core. They have changed you. Remember the thing about walking around eggshells where you worry about what you might say to somebody and so forth. You are going to carry that baggage into the next relationship. So don't just walk out of that one and just go to the next because some of those experiences are going to define you much the same way that a lot of the people don't know that the first relationship they had, the so they call it the first cut is the deepest because you've never had a relationship of that nature with somebody who's not from your family. That changed you. So this is going to change you. So you need to walk out of that situation. And I'm going to say that again. You cannot change that personality disorder. It needs to be attended to by an expert. You can't make them happy by loving them enough. And you cannot change yourself to meet their whims and desires. So the only thing you can do with a narcissistic relationship is to leave. This isn't meant to diagnose. Remember, this, this, this is not about diagnosing your partner. This is about seeing the outline of unacceptable behaviors and reactions in the context of a loving and equi equitable relationship. So I'm not saying that you necessarily know that this person has a narcissistic personality disorder, but then they go to see, these are some of the things that you're going to pick up. But when it's, if you see a lot of these red flags, then you should start first focusing paramount, on a paramount level of taking your, of care of your own mental health your own sometimes even physical well-being so as to be able to survive uh, dealing with a narcissist. And that's it for this week's episode of The Creative Cast. I'm hoping that it was helpful. Um, Iona.fm is where 
Um, you can find me. Oh, but next week we got some cool things that are coming up from Three Men on a Boat. A very brand new product. We've been running from um, the, the beginning. Of, uh, it's been running. It's going to be running until the end, until mid December, like twenty second December around. It's a new podcast. Very exciting. We've already started working it. Um, uh, so check out the Three Men on a Boat platforms. Uh, for updates, you can also for on my Twitter at Quidditch Larry Quidditch. I'll be putting out a lot of updates and marketing for it next week. Very exciting new product. You just know it's going to be exciting. Get in touch with me, as I said on social media. K W I R I R A Y I is my Twitter handle. Larry Quidditch is my um, um, Instagram on TikTok. Quidditch and um, just for Larry Quidditch for all over the all over the internet. And also email address is Larry at 3-mob.com. This podcast is part of the Three Men on a Boat Network and is that's our publisher and is available on INA.fm. It's available on um, Podchaser, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Just go subscribe on any of those platforms to get, um, you know, information as and when uh, they come out. Other than that, yeah, as you saw, if you picked up those who are early listeners of the Quiddicast, because it's six, five years, six years, yeah, six years <laughs> the Quiddicast started. Uh, gosh, is it? Actually, seven years. Goodness, yes, 2000. Ah, some year. Uh, the, I used the original opening, uh, the ones that from the old school listeners, this one I used for this week, so yeah. Otherwise, take care of yourself and the people that you should love. It's Larry. It's been the Criticast. Uh, and uh, as I always say from where I come from, I still resist events. Take care of yourself.